Hello, and welcome to the Cocktails and Conversation podcast. I'm Dana Marie Rockmore, the founder of the Dinner Party Project and co-founder of The Welcome House. I'll be inviting intriguing guests over to my home to chat about some of my favorite things, cocktails, story, the Enneagram, and rest. So as you may know, or may not know at all, cocktails are kind of my thing. At the end of a long day, or any day really, crafting a drink, whether it's simple or more complex, I really look forward to a delicious cocktail. Plus it makes all conversations better. Tito's Handmade Vodka is always a go-to for me. It's the perfect thing to have on hand to make just about any cocktail. That is what I love about Tito's. It's so versatile. Anything from a Moscow mule to an elderflower martini to a white Russian. Plus, Tito's Handmade Vodka has won a million awards, but for real. It's been distilled six times and won the SF World Spirit Championship. So the next time you are looking for an incredibly drinkable cocktail, pick up some Tito's Handmade Vodka. Plus, you should head over to titosvodka.com to read up more about their story and pick up some delightful recipes. We are back with another episode, and I appreciate you all if you are listening. So, thank you. And it is still quite um, summer out there, so the cocktail is very light, and the conversation is light and heavy, which I am excited for you to hear. Pretty great. So the cocktail I'm naming Endless Summer because it's just a forever summer drink and I could drink it forever. So um, anyway, super easy to make. So I hope that you will give it a try. If you do, let me know. It is um, an ounce of Tito's handmade vodka. It is a half ounce of limoncello. What could be more summer? It is a half an ounce of lemon juice. It is a quarter of an ounce of basil simple syrup. And then you shake all of that up real well. And then you top it off with some tonic water. And I like to serve it in like Collins glass with a garnish of lemon and a straw naturally. Obviously the garnish, I mean, obviously the Collins glass is full of ice. So keeping things as cold as possible for these hot months. Indeed. So my guest today is a dear friend of mine and an incredible woman. And she has an insane story, which I hope that you will really enjoy. But, um, Shantae is an inspiration to us all and it's pretty incredible the amount of energy that she has and she continually gives and if you go to the new Image Center which she founded there is just so much life and love and joy and craziness happening there and um, they have a after school program and sometimes over the summer like a full day program for kids uh, in Paramore that needs some a little extra support. So she has been an incredible inspiration and we've worked together on some things throughout the years and I just love being, love being around her and I learned an incredible amount of her story. Um, I didn't know that she almost died. <laughs> And a lot of other things and just the way that New Image New Center came to be. So um, hopefully you will grab a drink and hopefully you will enjoy listening to Miss Shante. Ciao. 
Hello, Shante. Hi, Dana. Welcome to Cocktails and Conversations. Thank you. Thanks for being here and taking your time in the middle of the day to do some day drinking with me. I'm loving it. Good. <laughs> well, cheers. Salute. Cheers. Yeah, I wish we were a little bit closer. Yeah. We are still in this moment of COVID-19, um, and we are five months in. I mean, I mean, I mean, what, in, what in the world? When you say five months, yeah, my mind immediately began to count. But we are five we are months. Five in. months. In. Who would have ever thought? No, I thought we would definitely be out of this by this point. But here right. we are. So we are drinking today. We are, and I we need it. You, we need it. Number one, and. I hope you enjoy it. Thank you. But we've got some Tito's vodka in mm-hmm. here, and then we've got a little bit of limoncello, mm. which is just I am all things Italy and limoncello. <laughs> and then we've got some some more lemon juice in here, um, straight up lemon juice. And then I did a basil simple syrup with tonic water. Wow, you are amazing. Since it's like still the middle of the summer, <laughs> it's still like ninety five degrees outside. And it's hot, so here we are, just doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm here for all of this. Oh, so, good. so typically, um, I don't know much about drinks, mixing, mm-hmm. or creating um, any of this Fair fun enough. stuff you just did. Yeah, but I am I am enjoying it, and um, it makes me think that I need to start learning a little, a little something. Up. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so the thing is, these cocktail ingredients aren't that like out there, right? You know, they're they can be pretty found pretty accessibly. Yeah. And then we will post the recipe. Awesome. Um, on the podcast, and okay. I can give it to you. Sounds good. But, yeah, I'm really all about kind of cocktails that are about five ingredients or less. Okay. You know, sometimes I'll go out make something extravagant, but. I just love having kind of some simple ingredients on hand. Yeah. From there, you have your own little home bar thing. Yeah. And you're having like one cocktail at night. Yeah. You know, like as a nightcap or with dinner or something or having a friend over. And then you just have this little, How fun. Right? Yeah. You just to share one drink with a friend. The life in my head, that's exactly what I'm going to do. Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait till, till I come over to your place. Yes. And, make and do head. just that. Right? Make me a cocktail. <laughs> <laughs> so as much as there is to rejoice about these days mm-hmm. and, and um, adjust to and figuring out a lot of things, we're also in a, a pretty huge moment mm-hmm. with Black Lives Matter. We are. We are. And so it's a pretty um, wonderful thing. I think that there is so much attention right now to mm-hmm. this this obviously injustice that has been hundreds of years and um there has just been still so much systemic um injustice that continues to to continues to happen yeah in in the black community um so i think in this wild world that we're living in where where the world kind of stopped yeah in march yeah and a lot of people had a lot of time to Obviously, we're stuck at home and Mm -hmm. we're stuck in front of, you know, sometimes our phones or the news um, and people seeing like just the insane violence and the insane um, inequality, you know, that is continuing to happen. Mm -hmm. And um, just 
the atrocities of, of not the of the consequences not being there for a lot of the violence that, that continues to happen. And then people being rightfully outraged, you know, it's is, heavy. It's heavy. It's heavy. It's a lot. And it's, and we're not there yet. Right. But, um, I would love to kind of hear from you kind of where you feel in this moment, like that you are Mm -hmm. and maybe where, how you have grown up, you know, in this, you know, um, this is, I, I never know how to really start. And, um, one thing that I've understood in the last few months with all of the racial injustice coming to the forefront is that I personally, as an African-American black woman have excused so many things. So, so let me just say that, Mm -hmm. um, or made it okay or made it, um, wherein it was the right thing because I felt that I have I had no voice or I had no choice mm. if I was going to continue in whatever arena or space that I was in. Um, and I say that unapologetically because let's just be honest. So I operate a not-for-profit in one of the blackest areas in Central Florida, but I was raised in Maitland, Florida, Mm -hmm. and I have a mom and dad who was very strategic about what schools I went to, the education that I received Mm -hmm. and the lifestyle that I was given. And so there were so many things that I was just not aware of, Dana, because I lived in a sheltered, sheltered environment. But can I just say a white girl's world Uh as a black girl? And I did not recognize that until all of this started coming out and I started going back and self-evaluating and remembering things that were said to me or the stories that were told. And, you know, one of the most stories that I can remember that comes so vividly was I was a fifth grader and we lived in an area by the name of Vero Beach, Florida. So I wasn't in Maitland all my life. Okay. So, so, okay. So I was raised in Vero Beach, Florida until middle school. And so I went to a school by the name of Osceola Magnet School and we wore uniforms and you were basically, it was a magnet school that focused more on STEM. I mean, it was like a state-run school. It was a state-run school, right. but it was more, you had to be accepted. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so um, I had a teacher, Mr. Giovanni, I'll never forget fifth grade. And um, my dad's mom, which was my grandmother, had just died. And we had a science project that was due, but my father drove back from I can't Bell Glades or something where he was mm-hmm. at the times two hour, three hour drive just to come back that morning to help me get my project together so that I would be ready for this science project yeah. or science fair that they were having. So we created this whole project. We got there. We set everything up. The news station came and they put me on um, the front page of the newspaper and they just interviewed me. It was like my first real experience of getting out there, but I had so much pride because not only had I worked on this project, but my dad, you know, helped me with it. And this is what my dad taught me. And I remember it was um, deciphering between three different 
um, what is it? Soap detergents of which one would last the longest as far as bubbles and which one would cut the grease the most. So I actually had like demonstrations and everything set up. So anyway, make a long story short, my teacher gave me the grade and most would say you received the grade because he didn't give you anything. Right. But I, I received a D. Oh. And I didn't understand why I received a D considering the fact that I was the only student had been interviewed. It was on the front page mm-hmm. of the newspaper. What did I do? What was I not able to, you know, portray whatever the case may be. And he said, well, they thought this is his exact words. They thought it was a great deal, but I didn't think so. A great deal. Yeah. They thought it was a great deal, but uh-huh. I didn't think so. And I just remember. But how did you like executed like what the requirements were? I mean, in my fifth grade mind, I did. Uh-huh. So I tend to be a perfectionist. Uh-huh. So of course I didn't just throw anything together. And I'm sure with my dad being a part of, my dad is a huge advocate for education that it was to the standards that we right. were following all of the rules. Right. And so with the D, I had to accept the D, but what I was what I was not paying attention to was I was also accepting that whatever people opposed on me, then that's mm-hmm. whatever they said, then that's what it was. So I began to kind of down shadow or down trot who I was to make sure that I wasn't shining too bright in environments, but that I was following all of the rules and making sure that I was doing exactly what I was told. And that behavior became who I am as an adult. So I say that to bring it back to Black Lives Matter, that there's been so many situations in my personal life and mm-hmm. my business life and my career uh, that I have not stood up when I should have stood up. And when I did stand up, I was told to sit down and be quiet, including in high school when my teacher made a racial um, comment that I didn't agree with. Mm-hmm. And I stood up and said something. But then they Next thing I know, they were trying to expel me from school saying that I started a racial riot and I wasn't even the one who said anything. And that was at Edgewater High School. This is back in the day when Edgewater was majority white. And again, just the population that necessarily was not ready for a black girl who was really ready to speak and say, Hey, but I'm just like you. Right. Right. (laughs) I'm like you. And I recognized in that light that I was not like them. And there were certain things that I could not say. Mm -hmm. And I began to follow that. So when we talk about black lives matter now, you know, first I pay respect to myself to say, you are heard. People want to hear you. They want to hear your truth, not the pretty version, not the version that people think is acceptable. But no, they want to hear your truth. Why? Because you're serving kids who are being affected. You're serving a community that has been affected. Mm -hmm. And it's very important for me to understand that because I can't have a seat at the table if I'm not speaking the voice or I'm not speaking for the community that I represent. Sure. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. How have you seen that kind of played out in the community that you work in currently? So, uh, you know, so when the protesting and everything was happening, it was literally happening in front of our children's eyes of our community. The protesting was happening. The police department is two minutes from where we are. Yeah. So we had a front row seat to, Um, see the injustice and to see that people were upset and fighting. 
I personally felt um, a moment of unity because I saw people of all different colors walking on the behalf of George Floyd, not just black African-Americans, not just, you know, one geographic, but people of great diversity was representing. And to me, that was just showing not only Paramore, but also the world that until we come together as one to fight these issues, they're not going to be heard. Now, uh, I do believe that poverty is very strong especially during COVID. I mean, even more now than before so that the community that I serve don't necessarily have the ability to dwell on the injustices that take place. They're so used to it taking place that it becomes another thing. So even since that has happened, we've had things that has happened here locally Mm -hmm. with just recently, August 7th, the African-American young man was shot in the back by the hands of the cops at the Florida hospital and protesting and things are being done now because video wasn't released and he was running away from the situation rather than to the situation and from people are in an uprage as we should be. So, I mean, when you experience it so many times, um, I don't want to say that you become desensitized, but you really do. Remember, our kids experience death at a rate that is way higher than what is even shared on the news and so forth. So injustices happen the same way. Even my 16 years of being in Paramore, we've been profiled. My husband's been profiled and you just excuse it because it seems to be the normal. But in this day, in this light, we're beginning to speak up. So it's no longer okay. Absolutely no longer okay. Um, so one more question. Sure. That, that way. Um, I am always curious. Um, and it's always something that maybe I haven't known exactly, exactly the ways of participating mm-hmm. or exactly the ways of as a Caucasian female, you know, like, over the years, you know, sometimes there's a lot of different, um, uh, reactions or responses that I get from participating in things. Mm -hmm. Um, what are some ways that you see people that are not a black Mm -hmm. participating beneficial ways that people that are not black can participate within black life, black lives matter? You know, what made such a big difference for me, Dana is, uh, I mean, actually like bringing me to tears this was such a simple gesture, but it meant the world seeing my white friends or supporters or donors or whomever simply say black lives matter Mm -hmm. publicly, Mm -hmm. not behind closed doors, not just to me, but they were letting the world know in some way that they support and black lives do matter to them. And, um, most recently one of our supporters, she was so touched by all of this. And one of our students began to cry. He's a, a known as a problem kid to most, hmm. but he began to cry because she left him a voice message of just letting him know how much his life meant to her. Oh man. And he cried after it was just so amazing, Dana, because he watched the video that she sent. Right. He looked at me and I said, so that's all I said. And he said, this makes me feel sad. And I said, it does. And he began to cry hmm. and I hugged him. And this is during a time during COVID and everything, but I just, come here child. 
right. and I just let him cry. And that's when I recognized, and he was seven, he's seven. So that that's when I recognized just how serious this is, not just for us adults, but mm-hmm. how this has affected children. So I, I believe just standing up, just speaking it out publicly, letting mm-hmm. people know. Um, I, I've known some friends to have to cut off certain people to say, I'm sorry, but I don't believe that. And I'm sorry that you believe that. And to me, just being a part of not just doing it because it's the movement at this moment, but actually becoming a part and saying, no, your life really does matter to me. No, this is not okay. Writing letters when they need to be written, calling people out when they need to be called out, Mm -hmm. you know, letting people know that if you think that, then I'm really, I feel sorry for you. And I mean, in your case, you've been at new image, you've been doing a reading club for quite some time with us. So you've already been in the mix of showing our kids that, you know, no matter what, Hey, we're here. We're in this together. Mm -hmm. And I think that people have to, there's no right or wrong answer to this. Just so you know, I think you find your level of comfort and whatever that level of comfort is for you, then that's what you offer to the world. And that's what you offer to the black community. That's what you offer to the black culture, because it's a comfort zone for you. Mm -hmm. No, it may not be what we want, but at the same time, I believe in taking small steps towards whatever change we are trying to see. Mm. So, yeah. Thank you for saying all that. That's beautiful. And hoping that this is obviously not not just this moment, but a like I lasting know. thing and just not Definitely. just like just a hashtag or things of that nature, but like burning down the old systems, mm-hmm. right? And and the generational racism that is permeated throughout so many of the education of the financial of the Mm -hmm. judicial system yes um, that is an incredible unfairness to a whole sector of people yeah it's just like such bullshit it is no really it is like so so imagine living it that i yeah and again a person like me recognizing just how I have not been appreciated in certain spaces. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I say that and I really mean it because there are people in corporate locations here locally that would just judge you by the color of your skin and they mm-hmm. treat you as such. And yeah. I shouldn't have to say who I am. I shouldn't have to prove to you that who I know before you treat Validate. me a certain way. Yeah. yeah, I don't need a validation. I am who I am because I'm not going to come in your space a certain way because that's just who I am. Right. So respect who I am as a person and not because of... Absolutely. That's just the humanity Who of I'm people. connected to. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. The humanity of people is above all. Yes. And um, if we had across that, that across the board, I mean, just like the equanimity that we would have of, I mean, so many things would level out so much more. It will. You know, like, yeah, the chances and the opportunities. And, um, I mean, the reality is that we don't get a, there's no fairness in the starting line, you know, like across no the board. No fairness. There's no fairness, right? No so fairness. How do we make sure that all children are loved and mm-hmm. fed and mm-hmm. make sure that all, um, humans are tried, you know, fairly. Yeah. And, um, so a lot of things there, we stop our own judgments, you know, it's time really for us to identify 
the judgments that we have put on other people that we ourselves would not hold ourselves to. Right. And some of those judgments even have been ingratiated for so long. Mm -hmm. Right. And And I get it. Right. And so even there's things that I want to check myself and learn about. And, you know, like there's just, and I mean, like generationally things have, things have come a long way. We're not even close to being there yet, but I mean, just right. Like unlike learning, generationally a lot of things you know we have a lot of unlearning to do so that we can learn the correct way of like just you know loving our neighbor which is harder you know done Mm -hmm. and said it is and it's still a learning process for all of us because when this happened i started learning my black history because in the schools that i attended black history is not on the list Mm. it may have been for a week in black history month right but Black history is not on our list. So I've even started to take the time to recognize who I am based off of my ancestors, the ones who've come before me, the ones who yeah. definitely path, made a path for me. Yeah. So I think it's we all have to learn. It's not just one type of person. It's all of us. We all have to go back and start doing our homework again. Right. Yeah. And um, learning who we are and where we come from and so, why we are the way we are. Speaking of who yeah. you are and where you come yeah. from. Yes. <laughs> we're going to jump to our, to our, to the next uh, phase, which is just about your story. And mm-hmm. just, it is, it is like, I say this in, in every episode, but like we don't choose where we're placed in mm-hmm. the universe. We don't choose our parents. We don't choose our socioeconomic status. Yeah. We don't choose anything. We're just like, placed here mm-hmm. and then we are like everyone else bumping around trying to figure things out and trying to figure out which way is north right right um, so i would love to kind of like hear a little bit about your story yeah. as far as like where you were placed in the universe and yeah what growing up in your in your home was like mm-hmm. and if you have siblings and just kind of like what was the the feeling of growing up in in your in your childhood years. Yeah. So, you know, I, um, I, I typically start from one point and it's the part when my mom and my stepdad married, that was around seven. And my, I just remember my whole life changing. So originally, of course, my mom was, well, you don't know this, but my mom was a teen mom. Mm. So she had me at 16 Mm. But she had this crazy drive to like want better for herself and for her child. And she said I was her motivation to just graduate from high school, to have her own, to work a good job. And she just wanted this life. And so so I can remember that because really at 16 and by the time I was five, my mom and I were like raising each other. We were doing sure. that thing together, you know. She was twenty one. <laughs> she was twenty one. Still a baby. Still a baby. But even then, at twenty one, my mom had two of us. So it's myself and okay. my sister. So I do have a, a. I'm the oldest. I have a sister. I have a very outgoing, tell it like it is, sister. Okay. okay? Uh, she <laughs> is. You you're going to know what she's feeling at all times. Does she live locally? She lives locally. Have I ever met her? I don't know, okay. but if you did, you would know. Okay. Yes. So, so and I she her personality is big as big as whatever building is available. Okay. And she's so <laughs> lovable. Um, but she tells it how it is, whether you agree or not. 
And it's so funny because when she comes around the youth center, the kids are always like, Nika's here, Nika's here. <laughs> because she just says whatever. Sure. <laughs> she And she's fun and she's um, herself. And I always tell her in so many ways, I live a totally different life than her because I filter. She doesn't filter anything. All right. So she's living life. And then I have a brother who is the only boy. Okay. But he's an entertainer. He's a musician. He's a comedian. He's a dancer. He is the life of the party right. and has been for a very long time. I don't know if it's like that because he's the only boy and the baby. Right. But this, I say kid, but he's 30. I mean, this <laughs> man <laughs> is absolutely amazing. So I love just... Honestly, I'm a family girl, so I love just spending time. Mm -hmm. We can still get together and we would laugh our heads off for hours like right. we we're five, six and seven, you know, right. but we were raised in a, in a pretty strict home, okay. um, uh, loving parents in Vero Beach, mostly? and mostly in Vero Beach. Okay. And then here um, after middle school for me. Okay. So um, very hard working parents um, pretty much always own their own businesses. But we didn't know. But so we didn't know we were privileged. You know, you don't know you're privileged at the time. You actually think that so many more people have it so much better than you. And right. what do you mean? I can't get the new Tommy Hilfiger Anatica jacket in the 90s, you know, uh -huh. and I have to wait. So we were spoiled. We all had car cars when we turned oh. 16. My dad believed in that. Yeah. yeah so it's pretty crazy. But. Here's the flip side. My parents are pastors and have been pastors for a very long time. So we never had our family to ourselves. Mm -hmm. We always shared ourselves with so many other people. Community. A community of people, rather um, people in need, rather just people in the church, you know, whatever the case may be. There was always a sharing each other. Mm -hmm. And so now we're starting to recognize how important that is. It's not too late. Thank God we're all still alive. My dad has not been the best in health, but we still have time to have just our family time. Right. So, but my mom was the fun outgoing one and kids would flock to our house. They always wanted to come spend the night. We were the safe haven, ironically. And then I look what I'm doing. Right. But I always told myself that I would never be like my parents. Like I wanted to to be yeah I wanted to be a giver but on my own level I didn't want it to be an expectation I didn't want it to override whatever lifestyle I had in my mind that I wanted to have because that's how it was as a child so um we just shared we shared our space all the time and it wasn't a bad thing we look back and we are grateful but there are so many things that we wish we could have just done with just sure. us you know yeah so we're all givers all givers because of that right. so and then of course I grew up and was trying to find out who I was sure. um I did not want to be past a pastor whatsoever anything in ministry I didn't want to work with children I did not want to um, follow the paths of my parents although they were amazing I just knew from day one right. like I always wanted my own bed my own room my own space right <laughs> and then I end up um, my dad moved this church from Winter Park okay. to Paramore mm. and I hated the transition the culture shock that took place 
how we experience life in a different way sure. in Paramore. Um, I didn't understand how we were going to be able to adapt to Paramore. And that's because I just had never really been exposed and thrust into a community that was so opposite and so different from how I was raised. But then I also recognized that kids were kids, whether I was in 32751 zip code or 32805. We kids wanted to be kids. They wanted to play. They wanted to have someone to support them. They wanted to be held accountable. Mm -hmm. So my father, um, one day we were cleaning up and there were some kids that were outside and they were in a grocery basket and they were pushing his grocery basket in the middle of the street, watching okay. cars swerve. And before I knew oh. it, it was four boys. I called them over and said, Hey, what the heck are you doing? And how old were you at this point? 21. Okay. 21. So I was in college. My parents made me go to college. So I was just trying to find out my why, but I went down to his church one day just to help him clean up. Okay. And, and it was that, that me screaming, what are you doing? Where those kids came over. We're not the nicest kids or anything. I always tell people like refer to Keanu Reeves when he did the movie Hardball. I sadly probably have not You seen have that. to see that. I, but see it, but it, it's such a movie that despicts everything of who we are in New Image <laughs> now. So basically they came over, one of the little boys cussed me out, told me to mind my business. And the only thing I had, because we were moving into a condemned building, it was, they were renting it, but it was condemned. Okay. And so um, the only thing I had in this condemned building was a game of Monopoly. So I invited those four boys inside to play a game of Monopoly. I took them to the store called the corner store in the hood. Right. And this was 2004 where you can like buy whatever you want at the corner store with $5. So with $5, I had a whole spread of snacks, chips, candy, cookies, yeah. sodas, everything you could think so of. Clean. Yeah. And we spread it out on the table and the kids had so much fun just enjoying these snacks and playing this game. The next day I was in school. I was in college. Um, by the way, I was going to school to be a SWAT team member. Oh, I know. Knew. Who knew? Who knew? Right. So if I had to go to school, I was going to do the extreme, right? <laughs> so I was going to school to, you be, wanted to be the best of the best. I thought I did. And so uh, my dad called the next day and said, those kids you were playing with, they're back and they're asking for you. I was like, that's so strange. What do they want? So I came down the second day uh -huh. and we did the exact same thing. And before I knew it, Dana, I was showing up at this same condemned building every day mm -hmm. with just the monopoly, a few snacks. And I began to go to Walmart and I would purchase sorry and Uno uh -huh. and things that I knew that kids we played. Yeah. And these kids would bring their friends every day and we would sit there and play. And then I began to teach them things and something just dawned on me and said, yeah. you know, Maybe, maybe there's not a secret, there's not a secret recipe to reaching these kids. Maybe you treat them the way you were treated in your household. Mm. And that's exactly what I began to do. Yeah. Of course, never knowing that it was going to turn into the new image youth center, never knowing that this was my calling because this was totally opposite from what I had on my personal list. Right. But this was the very thing that found me. I tell people all the time, literally I stumbled across this condemned building because my dad was there. Right. I stumbled across four kids that literally changed my life. 
Wow. Yeah. I never knew this story. <laughs> really? No. Oh my gosh, Dana. Like the, the same sidewalk the that same you sidewalk. walk on now to come and do the reading club is the very same sidewalk this all started on. Is that the same space that you had that the, you've been in that? So in the church the part church that part? you do, yeah. So the part right next door, which is what we call the annex and we use now to eat and feed the kids and right. for extra, that's the space right there. But uh, it didn't look nothing like it does now. Sure. You know, we've had it renovated and so forth, but yeah. So you're in that same space? I was in that same for space. For 16 years? I was in that same space for 16 years. And time, of course, we grew, we became an organization. I got the classroom, then I got the other class. But yeah, that same space is how it all started. That's the history. So if you have to move, that's a pretty big moment. That's a pretty big moment. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. Um, But open for change. Because when we move, Mm -hmm. it will be a better and more and more purpose. I believe that as much magic as we've been able to create on a 200 block of Paramore, the next spot has to be able to even double that. Mm -hmm. I don't believe that you go backwards. I believe that you only learn more to do more and to do it more sufficiently. So, um, okay. Yeah. A great attitude. (laughs) (laughs) I do because remember at 21, yeah. Where I knew nothing and now at 37, yeah, our next stage is going to be the next stage of life. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So. <laughs> wow, that's pretty incredible. Yeah. On for I'm sure it has been a ride mm-hmm. over 16 years and good and bad, ups and downs. Provision coming in mm-hmm. and, and moments probably where you're like, what are we doing here? <laughs> what are we doing here? Yeah. I, I remember the days when I would just beg God to have my phone to ring with just someone who wanted to support the mission. So remember, because I'm coming from literally a game of Monopoly and four kids. So there's no organization. People don't know anything about an organization or a girl from Maitland, you know, to the point where we are now where people want to be a part and they want to come and offer like you're doing with the reading or they want to hear more. This is the dream. Yeah. It's a lot to handle, but this is the The dream. This is the prayers that I prayed. Yeah. 15 years ago that are we're living in manifestation right Right. now, but it took 10, 12 years just to get to this point. Sure. Yeah. So consistency. You're hanging in there. Oh my gosh. But the kids make it easy. The kids make it easy. So how did you then, like, when did you decide? I know that you also have a day job with a whole nother practice like yeah when, when did you decide to well actually um so when new woman youth center when i started recognizing that more kids were coming and this was going to be like a little norm for me mm-hmm. um i didn't think it was it was a summer when it first started so i thought that maybe after the summer that was it but the kids began to start calling me for help with their homework and of course we started building relationships and i remember recognizing one evening that I would have about 12 to 15 kids with me all day long Mm -hmm. and had not spoke with one parent 
parents didn't know who I was, where their kids were. And so I began to go to their houses to say, hi, you know, I'm Shantae. Yeah. Your child is with me and I'm feeding them and they're doing things with me. I just want to let you know who we are. And uh, that's when I began to recognize just how strong poverty was. Mm. And I remember crying my eyes out. Because here I was just, what, 10 miles, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe not even that living. Um, yeah, living La Vida Loca, <laughs> you know, so blinded to what poverty really was, because poverty for me was the feed the children commercial. Right. And I would send twelve dollars a month personally as a child to feed my child, like right. to film to feed my friend, you know, and it was right here in the backyard and it was more than what I had ever experienced. So um, I actually finished school, of course, and the kids began to have issues or they begin to trust me. So they were sharing with me their issues that obviously I had never experienced before, mm-hmm. you know. Um, not having my mom and dad to myself was an issue, not, not having a mom or not having a dad or not knowing who your dad was, or your dad is in prison or your mom is on drug, you know, whatever it was, but their issues were so heavy for me that I began to say, and this is the God honest truth. I'm going to screw these kids up. I am going to screw these kids up. And that is the reasoning behind me going back to school Uh to um, study psychology. And I became a licensed mental health therapist because I wanted to be able to really know how to help heal my kids. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's so beautiful. Thank you. It's pretty incredible. Yeah. So, so, of course, I started a practice years later. Right. And that's my day job because New Image is my way of giving back. I do have paid employees, but um, running a not-for-profit, especially, you know, like what we call a mom and pop or, you know, grassroots not-for-profit organization, mm-hmm. it's hard to keep going. And we have expensive overhead because we have buildings to pay for, rent, we have lights, we have liability. So taking money from the organization is never nothing that I really wanted to do, you mm-hmm. know? So I do have a full practice um, under construction empowerment services because our brains are always under construction. Uh-huh. There's never a moment in life where you have it all 100% together. If you yeah. are alive, there's nope. always <laughs> moments right. for advancements, for knowledge, for yes. learning opportunities and so forth. And so with the practice, of course, I do mental health therapy. I do speaking, I do coaching, and we do mentoring. So, and we do books. Woo. We do books. Good and I could. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we do books, empowerment books for children. Um, so we do have one. We're called New Women Chief Center, aka There's Good in Our Hood. Right. And that is our book. That was the first book that was produced by my first set of children. A lot of, Ah, yeah. So people don't know that. Yeah. So the words and the things that you're seeing in this book were ideas and ideations from 14 year old kids, 15 year old kids, my D'Angelo's, my Robertson's, my needy, my Nydia's, Mm -hmm. my Rachel's, my Akeen's. That's all of their ideas that we would sit down and we would have this time called there's good in our hood because people only knew our hood from bad things. Mm -hmm. And we wanted to change that. And so most recently, um, well, I have another self-help book. It's called. So if you want to start a not for profit, let's do some homework first. And that's because people look at what we're doing. They're like, 
like, ah, oh, this is awesome. I want to do just exactly that. And I'm always say, wait, hold on. Let's do some homework first because it took a lot to get to this point. Sure. Um, and then we have our most recent one, which I'm so excited about, consists 13 teen authors. Our youngest author is actually 11. Her name is Unique King, but this book is amazing because it's an anthology and each teen has a chapter and their chapter is named whatever they wanted it to name. And they were able to talk about a time in their life that was very hard for them, but they're telling other kids who are reading the story, how they overcame this situation. What was it like? You know, how did they get through it and so forth? But it's also for adults to recognize that guess what adults, Children have problems too. So the name of the book is uh, Adults, We Have Issues Too. And so when you begin to read these chapters, it reminds you that a 11 year old girl could be experiencing way more than I have ever done at 37. It reminds teachers that, oh, she was acting up around that time or he was acting out. I never knew that was the issue of what was taking place behind the regular, you know, eight to four school hours, you know, whatever. So these kids are amazing to finally tell their stories and it's opportunity for them to sell their own book and then get to keep the money. So it's entrepreneurship program as well. That's beautiful. Thank you. I love it. <laughs> so even in your own story as adults, we get to grow and shape and we live through all the things. Um, has there been um, a moment in your life or a season in your life for you that was like very um, hard or devastating or just kind of hit a really hard place? And then how did you kind of like move through that? Coast through it. Yeah. Yes. And um I I take this story very sacred because I am still in the middle of it. And I believe that it, it was a lifelong change for me. And um, from those who may not know me personally, may not have known how much I suffered from this. But in 2014, so I had had the center for seven or eight years at that point. No, longer than that. Ten years. Yeah. And um. We were getting ready for the Martin Luther King parade. My now stepdaughters, they, my husband and I have been together. We dated for a very long time. Um, yeah, very long time. (laughs) So my stepdaughters were in the car with me. We were just coming back from the teacher's store. We were preparing for the Martin Luther King parade, what was going to happen maybe two days prior. And we were on I-4 and, um, driving. I had a convertible Mustang and I was a convertible girl, only convertibles, only Mustangs. So people know that that was my car. I just upgraded to the next convertible Mustang. Yeah. So, um, before that it was a Friday, but that Monday I needed tires on my car Mm -hmm. and I sent Reggie, which is now my husband to just get tires. And he's, always he's just over the top right he loves surprises so instead of getting a new tire he actually placed new rims on my car with tires so it made my car look even more sporting than what it was Mm -hmm. so i 
fussed and fussed and said, what the heck? I didn't want this. I only wanted a tire. I don't like this look, yada, yada. So Friday, as I was saying, we were driving on I-4 in a semi-truck. We were hit by a semi-truck on I-4 on Friday at 12 o'clock, the busiest time of the day that it is. And I saw the semi-truck coming over to my lane and there was nothing that I can do because of course everything happened fast. Where's the top down? My top was not down, okay. thank God. Yeah. We saw fire sparks. Um, we heard the noise and I saw nothing but white. So um, my first thought was, was tr- I tried to lean in the back seat because the car was spinning out of control. We were right. going under the truck. So I tried to lean in the back seat because I knew the girls were going to be scared out of their minds. They're twins. Right. And um, really at, at the time, so maybe around 11, Okay. maybe 11, yeah. 12. Yeah. So I was pleading with God not to behead us because we were going under the truck. And I was also pleading with God to allow to spare their life. If I had to die, then it was time, right? Um, Make a long story short, there was a big hit that I remember. And I don't know, at one point we blacked out, you know, all that happened. But at one point I heard a big hit and people were at the door trying to pull us out because the car had literally been drugged from one side of I-4 to the other side. And- the only car that was hit? It was the only car that was hit. This is why I'm telling you that I don't know if you believe in angels or God or whoever's listening to this and whatever your faith may be, whatever that is you believed in, they showed up that day for us. Um, So we got out the car, literally the indentation of the car being drugged from one side of the street to the other was in the middle of the street, right by Ivanhoe. This, this, it still existed until they just changed it. Anyway, to make a long story short, thank goodness we were alive. Um, at one point we thought that one twin died. We thought that she died because her whole head was between her legs and she was not moving or responding, but she had literally blacked all the way out. Wherein there was just no movement from her. Um, her pulse was still strong and she ended up coming too. So that was a scary moment. Sure. Um, we went to the hospital. This is all very scary. This is traumatic. Yeah. We all went to the hospital. Of course, they were telling us how blessed we were, just the whole nine, right? Okay, so everyone knows that I had an accident at this point, but I'm still trying to keep it cool. I go home. I know that I'm scared. I'm a therapist for goodness sake. So I understand PTSD. So I'm processing all of this in my head. And then I recognize that when I get home, I don't know anything. Like there's this really nice man who's like taking care of us. And I kind of remember who he is, but I, who, what, where am I? Like, who am I? And I hid this because people recognized who I was. I recognized who they were. I couldn't remember names. I remembered faces, but I didn't want anyone to think that something was wrong with me. 
So I began to seek treatment without even my parents or my boyfriend knowing at, at first. And I had to let them know I had suffered amnesia. Uh-huh. And there are it still was ongoing. It was ongoing. Right. And to this day, there's still things that my parents uh, try to like bring to my memory of my childhood that I just don't remember. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So I would get to the center, Dana, and I would turn into Miss Shantae. Right. It was almost like a masking, but it was also healing for me because my kids made it easy for me. But when I would go home, I would turn into uh, I remember one time. <laughs> opening my door it sounds crazy opening my door and crawling in my house like on your knees on my knees crawling in my house and I saw a pair of my shoes that I had never wore since the accident and I began to cry and weep because in my mind I was dead if that made sense like I was not alive I was very much living through a spirit and that's a form of amnesia so okay. once you Experience. Yeah, it's kind of hard to explain. <laughs> but anyway, later on, I was diagnosed with a traumatic brain injury, uh, which significantly affected everything about my life. The way I speak, the way I wrote. Even right. to this day, I have writing issues. I have speaking issues. I'm just starting. I know people won't know this. Yes, I've had treatment for years and years and years. Since then, I've had surgeries on my neck. I've had it. If you... Cover all this? This So here's the thing. There is, when I think about it, I found my peace, but there are so many reasons why I was upset with this truck, not even the person driving the truck. I was upset with the truck because remember, the truck changed my entire life. Right. And so to this day, I don't necessarily drive on the highways with semi trucks. My husband knows that I don't like even we wanted a trip to the beach recently and I couldn't go on my own because I don't. Yeah. So people don't know like some of the things that I still experience from this, but sure. it was the truck that changed my life. And so when you ask, is there anything? Yeah, I am still going through so many things of that moment. Um, So the insurance did pay for a lot of my treatment. Um, his insurance and our insurance, it, it's a no fault state, you know, so we were not held liable, but there are a lot of payments that came out of pocket. There are a lot of things that insurance don't pay for. And I wanted to get back to the best version of myself. So no matter what amount of money, um, all of my expenses were, all of my money was used to better me, to get me back to normal as possible. And this is how you have Shantae sitting here doing the podcast because it was a struggle, I can only imagine. but I finished my doctorate and yes. after then, yes, but listen to this, Dana, after then I began to live life. Like anything I ever thought that I wanted to do, I began to produce. So from that moment, that's why you're seeing the books. That's why you see me out here being my best self, mm -hmm. because I recognized that that day, January 6, 2014, definitely could have been the end date for all of us in the car that day. So, yep. Beautiful you're still here. God is good. Oh. Listen, so there is uh, moments that I, I believe change and shape you. And that was definitely sure. one of the moments that changed and shaped me. And I love hearing stories. You were saying about sharing stories, but I love hearing stories of my childhood or even my teenage years that I just don't remember. So my family is very protective of me with certain things. Okay. And even some of my older set of kids that experienced this with me, they 
when people would come and say, remember, I'm such and such, they would immediately jump, jump in. in. Yeah. Oh, Miss Shantae is not feeling good today. Or Miss Shantae got a headache. It was so amazing to uh, see these kids like want to shield me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> want to shield me. And for a long time, I, I was a I don't know if I was afraid, but I just wasn't comfortable in sharing. I'm sorry, I'm suffering from amnesia. You know, that's just not easy because right. people treat you totally different. Sure. Almost like you're diseased at that moment. Sure. <laughs> but there's still a form of amnesia that um, I still don't, I, I still suffer yeah. from. Yeah. It's a story, woman. It's a story, but look what I've been able to accomplish in that time frame. So amazing. So I, I'm grateful. Thank I'm grateful. Know. That's incredible. On the flip side of that, yes. has there been anything in your adult lifehood that you felt like, man, I'm very proud of this. Like, I've worked really hard. There's just, like, a moment of, like, pride um, or thankfulness that you've, like, something you've accomplished in your adult world. So I do try to live in the moment of gratitude. I do. Um, when I feel myself losing that, I'm very intentional in, about how I go about bringing that back to me. Um, of course, because I almost lost my life, right? Um, but I don't know how this sounds to other people. I mean, I think I've done some really amazing things. Yes, that's what we're here for. But nothing that has been... I feel like the things that I've done are things that I was destined to do. Mm -hmm. So I don't necessarily live... I, I'm learning to celebrate small victories now, but I don't know if I necessarily live in the moment of giving myself. Uh, I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think there's anything that I'm just like yeah. being married okay. is huge for me Yeah, because we were all busy in life. And, you know, my husband made it happen mm -hmm. like almost unexpected. That was huge for me because that changed changed me as a person. Mm. But I don't know if anything that I've ever done personally that I I kind of like I'm so proud of. I know it's kind of crazy, but I think that who I am and what I've been able to give to the world was what I was destined to do. Yes. I do feel as if when we do get a building, because this has been such a hard struggle for us, right. that that would be the next thing. And I would feel like, oh, OK, here we are. We've arrived you know, to this moment to help continue to save the world. So, but nothing just right well, off. I will be proud for you. Thank you. In, the, in <laughs> this moment, because I just like, uh, knowing you for a couple years now, mm -hmm. and just the things that you have engaged with and the level of excellence that you have done things with. Um, Thank you. I think that you should be very proud of a lot. Thank you. I'm proud of you and what you do in the community. And, and just, I think the beauty that you, um, have hold the importance of like having kids being kids right? yeah and, definitely and the heartbreak of that's being, important that's not everyone's reality yeah so how can we just be together in this yeah right? and um i just think that you have brought like such a powerful thing to orlando and thank you continue to work in that and continue to work on yourself and <laughs> um, this will go into our next thing but just yeah just the level of of excellence that you do like things with and that you stick with it like I mean there's so many times where I'm like how is she pulling this off and how like you know like I know there's been a lot of times where it probably comes down to the wire mm -hmm. keeping going <laughs> yeah yeah probably emotionally and financially and sure you know you have your your job and then you 
have these beautiful kind of like souls that you're caring for. Mm-hmm. So there's a huge thank you to that and just letting me be a part of that, mm. in, you know, uh, a small way. Um, but it's, it does not go unnoticed or unseen. You thank know? you. So, I appreciate yeah. that. Definitely. And I feel the love. I feel the support and I don't do this by myself. And I tell people that all the time, like, please know that there's a, army of amazing people that play little parts and that's how we are able to create the new right. Image Center. So yeah, it, takes all of us. it does. You, it does. Um, have a beautiful way of, of leading the charge. Thank you. Um, which kind of leads into the Enneagram, mm-hmm. which we had a little bit before this is one of, it's one of my absolute favorite things. Yes. Um, and if you don't know the Enneagram, it's kind of like a, a nine kind of nine pathways to knowing yourself better. Um, yeah, it's just kind of a roadmap to your personality. Mm-hmm. Which I think, um, as you know, I like um, studying psychology. Yeah, and I have a degree in psychology. Awesome! Yeah, I that makes sense. Yeah, with a substance abuse counseling. Yeah, um, but I I never got my master's. Yeah, you know, I thought I was going to be a counselor. Okay, and just like I think the. The beauty of therapists and counselors that walk through the darkest of mm-hmm. the dark with people, I think, are incredible heroes. <laughs> and so I went through a lot of counseling and kind of came out with, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, God, this is something I want to like help people find their stories. And yeah. I want to help people. Like it was just so powerful for me. Um, and then I, you know, have had a different path. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, anyway, all to say, knowing yourself, how, yeah. how beautiful that is to invest in yourself and not have that as a selfish thing, mm-hmm. but as a beautiful thing so that the more that you know, the more that you can inhabit your beautiful space in the world and then give the best of like what your destiny is, yeah. like what we are created to do. Yeah. Um, and, and a lot of times that takes some digging. Mm-hmm. So it does. Right. Yes, yeah. or sometimes trucks. <laughs> In my case, Woo! yeah, yeah. Some trucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully, it doesn't have to. Sure, you know, no, that no. Everybody. But um, but their own story, whatever their truck story. is, you know, whatever the, their boulder is in their life, yeah. yeah. And and the beauty of just how much kind of our DNA shapes, you know, mm-hmm. who we are, you know, definitely and our story, you know, and, and growing up and how that shapes us and into you know these hopefully fully actualized realized adults mm-hmm. how beautiful it is to kind of you know be able to see clearly like your strengths and then when you're in stress what yeah you look like and all those different things so the enneagram yeah for me and kind of briefly sharing with you has been such a powerful tool um in my life to kind of see some of that stuff more clearly and so we were looking briefly over it mm-hmm. and through what I know of you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You would probably qual- quantify yourself as a number one. One. The reformer. The reformer with the two wing. Yeah. Helper. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so very driven, purposeful, self controlled. Um, perfectionist it says i know principled uh um and yes so this is new to me but um of course the words jumped out at me because i know who i am and what i believe in and um i just 
when I said the reform, I said, oh, no, I don't want to be a reformer. <laughs> but it's definitely who I am. It, it is. And I don't necessarily apologize for that at all. But there are so many other cool numbers that I saw that I wanted to identify with right. <laughs> and maybe just pull one or two words out of that one. But um, definitely, yeah, I'm a number one. Naturally, that's who I am. Oh, my gosh. So they say, like, um, that the one that you don't want to be is often <laughs> the one that you are. Because I was like, I don't want to be an eight. Yeah. I don't want to be a challenger. Yeah. But it's interesting because the Enneagram can often hold a mirror to yeah. ourselves. Yeah. So don't want to see, right? Exactly. You know, I think that's what, that's what it was. It's so interesting. Huh? Yeah. I don't want to be a perfectionist uh-huh. because I teach against that. <laughs> I do. I I don't know. Like uh, I've seen perfectionists at, to the extreme mm-hmm. and I've seen some who are, you know, maybe not so extreme, but yeah, I want to work on that. And I'm glad it jumped out at me because that's not something that that's not my life goal ever is to be a perfectionist. That doesn't even sound fun for me. And I'm a fun person, you know, mm-hmm. um, I recently went back to school to become a play therapist. And the reason I did that, right. Right. The reason why I did that is because I work primarily with children, but because I love to play and I Mm -hmm. I don't care how old we are. It's the funnest thing when you're able to enjoy those childhood like things, you know? So when I saw the reform, I'm like, absolutely not. I'm (laughs) working so hard to be so opposite from that. So but, but yeah, you kind of see, um, I can see it. Life play out definitely the way that you lead the team that you have. Definitely in your probably relationships. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so fascinating. Just and then um, the two wing, which is the helper, and mm-hmm. obviously your life is centered around helping being a, a beautiful yeah. like support system. Yeah, you know. For I have a nickname, um, and it's the glow giver. Okay. Yeah. So actually, sometimes people don't even know my real name. They'll call me in public with the kids. Hey, the glow giver. And um, I came up with that maybe about two or three years ago. And it's because in the dark spaces, I want to be able to glow. I want to be able to be the light or in the lives of my children. I want a little spot the glows that says, you know, Miss Shante taught me this and it helped me mm-hmm. change or a new image was the reason, you know, it gives them that ability to eliminate. And so, um, yeah, so the glow giver constantly reminds me to be in a certain space where I am able to laugh. I am yeah. able to, and I think that's part of me being a reformer too, because I want a reminder to say, don't be so perfect today. Laugh, joke, have fun, enjoy, pay attention, right. smell, <laughs> you know, look at the flowers, smell it. It doesn't right. look right to people for you to you know, go outside your office and you're smelling a flower, but why doesn't it look right? <laughs> you can smell a flower. So that's why I'm the glow giver because I want to be able to glow and, mm-hmm. and show people how to live and enjoy the little things that we often forget because we're right. working on being perfect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I think it also like, it aligns with your line of work. Yeah. Yeah. Someone like would need to be very principled Yeah. to, to last this long sure in that way and to be able to obviously running a center you have to do a lot of things by the book yeah the political Um, parts of it yeah right yeah so being able to i think 
or even as a therapist, you know, yeah, 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 definitely. So having those skills that kind of, you know, probably come naturally to you, Mm -hmm. um, is also like a beautiful asset to the world that you live in and, and operate in and yeah. Yeah. So that's who I am. And right. thank you for helping me identify that. <laughs> it's like my favorite thing. To, I mean, if you hang around me long enough, it's like my one of my favorite topics. And um, yeah, I mean, we could talk about it all day. So because you're so knowledgeable about it, when you meet people, are you already like categorizing them or putting their number or saying, oh, she or he is more like a... You know, like, I mean, I think this tool is, is the goal, the, the goal is not to put people in a box. Sure. Not to like, just like, oh, you're just a one. Like, that's Definitely. All, right? And yeah. So I, that's never the intention of trying to be like, um, always trying to typecast people. Yeah. Um, so I try to keep it as a tool. Yeah. Um, and it is something that genuinely helps me to give reference mm-hmm. to somebody and and um as someone that maybe is not always in touch with their emotions and and helping me to understand the emotions of other people understood that's been a very big play for me to understand that not everyone mm. operates the way that i, I operate i yeah. operate in this kind of weird funky world up here dana's world yeah yeah dana's world and so a lot of times like it's been a huge blessing for me I mean, I'm not always perfect in it. Mm-hmm. There's things that I still do that are not the way that I would ideally like to act or operate. But, I mean, sometimes it, it really gives me a better perspective of where somebody else is coming from. Mm-hmm. And that they come from a different, you know, outlook on life or different DNA or different, like, body responses. Yeah. Like we're talking about fear, shame, and anger. Yeah. And, um... Yeah. So it's like trying to keep that in mind and then trying to have that has as a helpful reference. And yeah. Not as like a, just a box to put somebody in. That sure. Like, oh, be this. Yeah. Because no one is ever just just that. One box, right. Right. We're mm-hmm. dimensional. And as you dig into the Enneagram, you see that your number is, is a starting place, but you're really digging in. And there's so many nuanced levels that like make up who you are. Right. And so all these different combinations put together puts you into your your own unique personality and I love that because one of the things that um when I did or was definitely going through the beginning stages of the brain injury you are a lot more in your brain (laughs) you become a lot more aware of your thoughts and what you're thinking right because now there's an impairment there so the stronger part of you want to repair it so um but one of the flip sides in a positive manner for that is I am always in my brain and I'm thinking, what are you feeling? Right. What are you experiencing? I check in with myself first. And I love that being able to identify, wait, are you okay? You know? Mm -hmm. So when people say, Hey, how are you doing? A lot of times I don't give the basic answer anymore. And I'll say, Hmm, well, if you want to know the truth, this is how I'm doing sure. <laughs> because I'm actually checking in with myself at the same time. And it doesn't mean a bad thing. It doesn't mean that I'm full of anxiety or whatever. No, I'm literally checking in with Shantae the same way I so openly check in with other people. And I want to know and I want to hear. Mm-hmm. So why don't you want to do that for yourself? Right. So, yeah. 
Yeah. So powerful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm excited for you to dig into the Enneagram more. Me too. So am I. I am excited because then you can see the people closest to you and what role they play. Uh And for me, it just helps me identify why they're so special to me, even the more Mm -hmm. of why God will allow certain people in your space Mm -hmm. to help you become or be. Right. You know, sharpen you. Yeah, as the person that you are definitely. We all need all nine, right? We need that. Fill out, and you know, you have to know your limitations, and you also have to know when other people have limitations. So exactly, like they're doing the best they can. Yeah, but sometimes I can't see that or understand that because mm-hmm. you know, we don't know what their world is. Yeah, but trying to better grasp or trying to better honor them and to know where they're coming from. Because we, we definitely need each other. It should be mandatory that all politicians and presidents and everybody <laughs> study this because then they will understand who they're serving a lot more. Sure. You know? And themselves. Yeah. And what they need. Yep. So speaking of what we need, the last topic is my favorite topic, okay. which is rest. Yes. And it's something I think that we don't do enough. We That's don't true. talk about enough. Mm-hmm. We don't feel guilty about. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. I was literally reading something today or last night that it was talking about how sometimes laziness or like just resting is equated with laziness, mm-hmm. like physically resting, like yeah. on the couch. Like, how are you resting? How are you laying on the couch? How are you right. like indulging in this moment when that's the best thing you could possibly? Oh be my doing? god, rejuvenating, right? Um, Healing, so <laughs> you know? Can yeah, look like play, it can mm-hmm. look like discovery, mm-hmm. it can look like physically resting. Yeah, it could look like like one of my friends would want to write a blog for her yeah. day of rest and that could not be farther from what I would choose to do. You yeah. Know, so we're very different. In that. Sure. But what does kind of, what, what practices have you adopted um, to like rest, rest as a part of your life? So as a therapist, I um, teach way more than I practice mm-hmm. and I am working on that. Um, so I'm learning balance. Mm-hmm. So when you say rest for me, but I can share with, well, let's just go back. COVID has made me rest a lot more than normal. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so I've become a lot more busier because the need is greater. However, I'm more intentional in how I rest. So rest for me, um, can be, uh, recently I purchased a hammock during COVID and I have a favorite tree in my yard. Love it. Yes. And I'm like reading books. There's been a few times where I fell asleep in it. I, have a <laughs> I saw your hammock. And yeah, I have the same one. It's yeah. A game changer. It, a life changer for sure. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Especially in the evening when the you sun is not so hot. Yeah. Right? Where it's not where you're not in like Yeah. Like, Definitely. Evening. But when you're in when you're in the shade and and God bless if there is like a, a breeze. Yeah, I know. I know that I love water. Okay. So um, if I would have it my way, 
well, we're getting ready to purchase a house and I have to have a pool. Yeah. I, w- I was raised with the pool in the backyard and, um, or the beach. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love the beach. I love the sound of nature. Right. And I per- this is crazy for some because I seem to be like so opposite of this, but I am a girl that loves nature, like raw nature. So yeah. I love thick green grass and I love walking barefooted in it. And there are times when I'm in public at places my kids already know they're like miss shantae look at the grass and i'm already taking off my shoes just to walk across it whether it's the appropriate place or not (laughs) i feel like it's just me grounding myself but definitely um anything nature i'm there yeah i love that don't like bugs so much fair enough but i love nature (laughs) <laughs> if you could have you could have a dream day you know, mm-hmm. 24 hours it could be here it could be anywhere money is of no factor yeah it is like one day to yourself however you want to break it up um what would like your ideal day look like so we actually had an ideal day not too long ago or a few years ago and then recently for my wedding as well but my ideal day includes my entire family so my brother all right. The funny one. My sister, the teller how it is. Yes. My mom and my dad, my husband, my stepdaughters and my godson. And um, we went to Miami and we spent the day on the yacht and it was Christmas, actually. Yeah, we did that for Christmas. Instead of buying gifts and things, we did something totally different for my wedding. We rented a mini mansion, like a little castle, old school castle. And we were together and we enjoyed that day today. So it would be something similar. That's my ideal day of being away Mm -hmm. um something in nature yes something definitely in nature laughing as hard as you can Uh till your stomach hurts and just being around the ones exclusively around the ones that I call like family because remember we've always shared ourselves so much with other people so that core group will really matter yeah Oh, that sounds like a dreamy. Yeah, yeah. Really dreamy. Yeah, and I'm yes. grateful for having an amazing husband who made it happen. And a few years ago, we did the Christmas together the same way. Mm-hmm. And and hopefully many more. Yeah. Many more, yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. Those are some good practices. Yeah. Keep you grounded. And just, it's incredible how much rest is so restorative and helps you to do the, a better job at what you do. And yeah. And I've had years past where things are just flying by. Yeah. You know, like to take a Sabbath day off or to take time, you know, feels guilty or feels mm-hmm. um, anxious in some way. Yeah. And then the true rest of um, taking a break, you know, and it really looks different from a lot, a lot of people. It does. It can look different week to week, you know. like That's true. Days. That's true. Like, I want to go for a hike or yeah. go to the ocean. Yeah. You're like, I just need to be in my hammock. Yeah. And not be around people. Right. Some days just let me take my shoes off and feel the grass, right. you know? <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, I totally agree. How valid that is to help us to keep going. Mm-hmm. Stay healthy physically. Definitely. Spiritually. Yep. I think we've neglected our um, spiritual well-being and our mental well-being for a long time. Yeah. So, and physical. It's pretty insane yeah. too, like how this season of the past five months mm-hmm. um, has, you know, really um, shifted a lot of things. Sure, and helped people to get back in touch with, you know, personally. I'm I am missing some things, mm-hmm. but I'm also loving this new pace of yeah. life of like 
I'm not stressed out as much. Yeah. I don't go to bed feeling overwhelmed. Yeah. And I am, I'm working part-time. So I, I realize I'm not working my full-time yeah. that I used to. But how much happier wow. I have been. That's amazing. What scares me is that we go back to what it was. Right. And I am working diligently not to do that. Mm-hmm. And that even means when my staff leave work, so do I. And it's me telling myself that you're closed (laughs) when we're closed, you're closed. Right. And business owners, that's hard for us to do, but we have, you have to set that time when you're closed. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Um, as we wrap up, is there any like mantra or like life, um, like a life motto or MO that you kind of live by that you would, you would share with us? Yeah. Um, every moment is literally a gift. And um, I, I say that and we've heard that before, but no, every moment is really a gift. Mm-hmm. And at any moment you can change the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. You have the ability to change it, whether it's taking a few moments, breathing in, breathing out, understanding whatever situation you're in. Mm-hmm. Um, me personally, I use essential oils and different things to kind of just take me there. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can literally change that and every moment can be a gift. Yeah. And it's, it's just that simple. It's not a magic po- potion. It's the way we view it, the way we look at it. And you can make it. So, and I, I really believe in that every moment is a yeah. gift. I've had a lot of close friends to, I just had a recent friend to die not too long ago. And then of course with COVID and so much death around us, mm-hmm. it helps us recognize just how every moment is a gift. So I'm very intentional about saying, I love you. Yeah. I want you to know, thank That's you. So I well. care about you. You yeah. mean a lot to me. We should. No, we should. We should say that a lot Forget more. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. And that just builds and spreads the beauty. Mm-hmm. And then hopefully we'll live in a more beautiful and accepting, loving world. Yep. Yeah. Thank you for taking these moments. Thank you for having me Where in these moments. I am at, yeah, our website is newimageyouth.org. Okay. We have uh, Instagram, New Image Youth mm-hmm. Center, and we have a Facebook, New Image Youth Center. So definitely we can be found. All right. <laughs> yeah. Yep is out there um so until next time thank you thank you this is so appreciated thank you a million times over for listening to cocktails and conversation podcast i hope you have enjoyed all of it if you have would you do me a huge favor and rate comment and subscribe for more cocktails and conversations 